Welcome to the Decide Your Legacy podcast, helping individuals and businesses unleash their potential. Join us every episode as host Adam Gregg discusses what is holding us back and how to find hope for moving forward. Along the way, we discuss developing healthy relationships and navigating life transitions while overcoming fear, stress, and anxiety. Live the life you want, the legacy you decide. Have you ever been someone or are you someone that struggles with perfectionism? I am. I think it's a mental, emotional strain for people. I know that for a fact. Today, I'm going to talk to you about three keys to decreasing perfectionism so you can live with freedom, so you can actually live without that anxiety that may be paralyzing you because of this toxic addiction that we can have. I'm Adam Gregg. I am a life coach and mental health professional. I've been in this field for over 20 years, and I talk to you about things that I struggle with myself. This is a major struggle in my life, one that I'm constantly working on. This is why I collect seven up bottles and give them away. It's okay to be a seven. You don't have to be a 10. You don't have to be perfect. And my purpose in life is to help people overcome their biggest fears that keep them stuck and to find transformational clarity so they can live on purpose and reach the goals that they have. I am passionate about helping people get to that next level in their life. So thanks for tuning in. This is episode number 21, Three Keys to Decreasing Perfectionism in Your Life. I was at the gym about three weeks ago with my daughter, Emerson. She was on the treadmill. I was on the treadmill. We went there to work out. And for a second... I started to get perfectionistic and critical, and she, I felt, was not really pushing herself. I may have shared this in the past, actually, but I wanted to go and say, hey, you know, what's going on? Let's push yourself. Let's challenge ourselves here. At that same moment, my friend walked by. Dave is his name. Actually, that's his real name. And he, and I shared with him my struggle, and he shared with me, hey, look, she's here. And, and she is working and she is pushing. And, you know, be grateful, Adam, that your daughter's at the gym with you because that's a blessing. Don't say anything is basically what he was challenging me to do. And I didn't. And the rest of the night went well. It was a chance for me to lower my standards. When we lower the bar, when we give ourselves grace, when we give other people grace, our anxiety level decreases. We're not made to be performing, 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 work, work, work. One of the reasons people have perfectionistic tendencies is because they at some point have been through some trauma. And by trauma, a situation that overwhelmed our central nervous system. It was you know, a major issue in our lives in our life that we didn't know how to cope with emotionally at the time. Trauma leads us to actually being controlling to being hypervigilant, to saying psychologically that I'm never gonna go through something that difficult again in my life. And I'm gonna watch out and scan the environment and look for anything that possibly could remind me of that situation so that I don't have to experience that again. Trauma is a dangerous thing when we don't recognize that it's something that's impacting how we're behaving today because then we just react to life and we don't actually have any awareness that we're doing what we're doing, and that's not what we want to do. Trauma 
creates this hypervigilance. And then we go by lists and rules. And that's what control is. If I live this certain by this certain path and plan, then everything's going to go okay and I'm going to be safe. And if I if I if I actually step back from that, then we think things are going to actually fall apart. It's not going to be good. And that hypervigilance, it really actually makes us miss trusting our intuition or even trusting God because we are so aware of all these things that are going on that we don't step back and actually see that there's other information out there that can give us some direction. So we don't listen. I know for me when I was, and this is something that I've just started to come to terms with because I really pushed it way, way down, is that when I was six years old, I I went through a very traumatic experience and I was a kindergartner. I was, and it's something that I'm not gonna share a whole lot about right now. I probably will in a future podcast, but I trusted somebody in my life who had a important role, not a family member, but somebody that was important in the family and had this, okay, adult child relationship. They watched me and there was a betrayal and a breach of trust. And then that to me, it impacted me so deeply that it was like, wow, who can I trust? You know, And so it's something that I actually just shared with my parents because I didn't wanna believe it was true, which is what happens with trauma, that I just shared with my parents and over the last, believe it or not, six months. And that's kind of crazy to think being a therapist, but what you'll find is a lot of people who become helpers, they have their own situations in the past that have inspired them to want to reach out and help other people, help them avoid those specific situations. So that situation did create this mentality that, okay, if I can control my environment, if I can be perfect, perfectionistic, then I won't get hurt this way again. And even though I wasn't aware of it at the time, it led to other decisions and future interactions and ways of relating. And it just led to this approach to life, which I like to say it's saying, I gotta control it and I can't trust God to protect me. If I'm hurt here, who can I trust? Perfectionism. But perfectionism isn't helpful, it's harmful. That's why we wanna actually find ways to decrease it. It becomes a survival strategy that is dysfunctional. So let me give you three ways, three things you can do to work on your perfectionistic tendencies. And I understand this is all gonna come out differently for different people. It could be for you, perfectionism is leading you to just a workaholic kind of mentality. I gotta perform. Or perfectionism is saying, I and it's leading you to judging people as either good or bad. It creates this success or failure mentality. They're gonna hurt me, and I'm gonna scan and see anything possibly that could show me that they're not trustworthy, or they're gonna help me, and they're just great. So we put people on a pedestal, and we actually help hold them to a standard that's not realistic, and then we're failed and let down. So perfectionism is always associated with procrastination as well. If I can't do it perfectly, I'm not gonna do it at all. And something I tell clients consistently in addition to my seven up bottle um, illustration is live in the middle. Find a way to live in the middle. Life is best lived in the middle, not the edges. That's where you have choice and decision and that's where you have options. That's where you can intentionally respond versus always reacting, which that perfectionistic mentality, it's reacting. I gotta have it at such a high standard to be safe, so I'm reacting. So the first thing you can do 
is you can fix, fix your standard setter. So my standard setter has been broken. It's been broken for a long time. And you fix your standard setter by first of all, acknowledging that there may be something wrong with it. I, I have trouble sleeping sometimes. A couple weeks ago, I woke up in the middle of the night and I thought, because I often wake up at one o'clock and then I can't go back to sleep right away. And sometimes I can't go back to sleep at all. I woke up and I thought, surely it's one o'clock. It's one o'clock. And then I looked at my alarm clock, well, my phone, and it was actually 4.45 a.m., and I had this immediate sense of relief because if I wake up at one and can't fall asleep, I mean, I hate that because that's a long period of time. 4.45 is fine. I usually get up at 5.30, not a big deal. And I actually had gotten a much better night's sleep than my initial assessment had indicated. That's my standard setter. That's an example of, the, of having a broken standard setter. So if you have really high high standards, then you're, you're consistently not you know, you're let down. People let you down. You let yourself down. You're not gracious. So some things you can do to fix your standard setter. One is you can say, what is a healthy definition of success? And what is a healthy definition of failure? So I had a client actually who said, uh, definition of success, and it was really impactful because this is something that I'll ask a lot of my clients to give me is a, a really a definition of success. And oftentimes their first definition is related to performance and perfectionism. I have a lot of very high performing clients. So it's a certain job, it's a house, it's an income, it's something that is material. And then they step back and they start trusting their intuition, which is another podcast that I need to do in the future is how to get in touch with your intuition. And then they share something like this. This was this definition of success. Had He had deep, I have deep and rich and meaningful relationships. I'm human, I'm myself. I'm not trying to be anybody else but myself. And I'm the man that I'm supposed to be. I'm surrendering everything to God. And that was inspiring for him to hear that and to hear himself say that. And you can give yourself a definition of failure as well, which I find very helpful too, because our standards initially can be so high. And so failure being this thing, well, someone criticizes me or I don't get the promotion or it doesn't go well. And then recently, in fact, this was actually a client today. It was such a powerful thing. I had to remember this. His definition of failure was things don't go my way and I learn from it. Things don't actually go according to plan, but I learn from it and I grow. And then to me, it was like, well, uh, is there really anything that's failure as long as you try? I mean, is there, or are we really mixing up what failure is? Because it has this very negative connotation to it, this word failure. Like something has, I mean, gone very horribly wrong. Yet in this definition, it was with a fixed standard setter, it was like, wow, you know, something good is coming out of that. Regardless. And this person had a lot of major decisions to make professionally and personally and relationally. And so thinking about it that way, it took a lot of the pressure off that anything can be used for good as long as we're trying. And as long as for, uh, to me, it's, you know, as long as I'm seeking God's will somehow, I'm trying to give it up, you know, whatever that actually means. I don't confuse by that a lot because when I make decisions, I can be very skewed or fear-based sometimes, but that's a way of fixing our standard setter. Another thing you can do is get feedback and go back to previous podcasts is, you know, I talk about your monkeys, that when we go through life and it goes back to a 
to a an experiment where you put a monkey in a cage, terrify the monkey, stress out the monkey, and cortisol level, which stress hormone is through the roof, you put the monkey's buddy in the cage and it goes down. You decrease the stress level by having a monkey in your life. Now, for me, because I have such high standards, if I do a schedule for my week or even a schedule for a day, and if I don't get the feedback from somebody, my schedule can be extraordinarily unrealistic. I'm going to get all these things done in this period of time, and it's just not going to actually happen. So if I go and say, hey, look, can you give me some feedback on the schedule? And they'll say, well, cut out 40% of this stuff. You know, one of my monkeys, one of my friends, so I get feedback from. And then it's like, wow, okay, well, that seems like a pretty unproductive day, but I'll trust them because they're a productive person. And then at the end of that day, with my fixed standards, I feel a lot more refreshed and energized. I've gotten and dug deeper on certain tasks at a different level, so it's makes it makes me feel like I've actually made more progress down the road. So you get feedback. And then another thing you can do to fix your standard setter is to go ahead and establish what is for all the areas of your life, not just success and failure, but what is a realistic and healthy standard in all the different areas of your life. So your health, your relationships, your business, or your professional life, your money. And if it's reasonable and healthy, it might be something that is less than what you previously thought for that area of your life, but it's gonna lead to a much more balanced life as well. And if this is interesting to you, I'd encourage you to go back to my previous podcast on setting, on establishing healthy life balance. It's podcast number eight, because I go into depth in that podcast as well on this specific topic of setting healthy standards in all seven areas of your life. So the second thing you can do to actually decrease perfectionism in your life, the second thing I'd encourage you to do is to choose to get messy. Choose to get messy in your life. Like if the other day I rolled out of bed and I never do this, but I decided to leave my bed unmade. And I did that, my dog loved it because usually I have to kick him off the bed to make the bed. So, um, but I left it unmade and I told myself, I'm gonna do this the entire day, leave it unmade. And that was a challenge with perfectionism for me personally. It's a way of saying, this is an intentional decision to just live in the middle and be messy. It could be, you, you're, gonna, for, you're gonna leave the dishes in your sink or you're gonna do a presentation without practicing it more than once. Or today I decided that I was gonna do this whole podcast off an index card rather than having all my notes. I mean, I have a, had one thing out of my journal, but this index card is what I'm using today. And that was a exercise for me to say, live in the middle, let go, who knows what's gonna come out of this mouth, but I'm gonna trust that it's gonna be decent and good and it's gonna be hopefully helpful to people who listen. You live messy. You choose to say it's okay to be messy. You lower the bar and then you're yourself and it's okay and your real personality comes out because you're lowering the bar. It could be having a car that you don't clean for a while. A lot of people listening here, you're saying, oh my gosh, he's telling me to be lazy. He's telling me not to do what I've been doing for so long. In fact, some of you listening are like, this is the worst advice possible because I need someone kicking my butt saying, make your bed which, you know, maybe you do need to make your bed. And if you don't make your bed, uh, yeah, definitely make your bed 
90% of the time. If you're a perfectionist though, you probably gotta go ahead and step away from some of these things where your standards are so high. And some people can be perfectionists in specific parts of their life, yet they are not in other areas of their life. And again, that can be highly connected to what we perceive as keeping us safe. So with our jobs, we're perfectionistic because we relate security to that part of our life. Yet we don't have insecurity in other parts of our lives. So those standards are decreased and less. So we think that an example would be a workaholic who neglects their health. Well, obviously they're not perfectionistic in their health, although they might be if they started to invest in their health because once they start, that perfectionistic tendency can kick in and then they're not satisfied with a couple workouts a week. They need you know, six a week. And so they are switching that addiction to another part of their life. So we can have low standards in certain areas of our lives, but a lot of times that's just procrastination disguised, which is perfectionism. It's the other side of that continuum, perfectionism and procrastination. Some things you can do as well, specifically to lower the bar, to get messy, to get messy. Well, one thing you can do is in an area of your life where you have a goal, just choose to let go and say, I had a client recently where they're wanting to improve relationships with their kids and their spouse. And letting go for them was to intentionally choose and decide to not say a critical thing until they had said 10 encouraging things to anyone in their family. And the reason that was letting go is because their normal functioning was to be this person who's hypervigilant when it comes to parenting and hypervigilant when it comes to their marriage. And so if they started to feel insecure, they would say, oh, we need to talk more, you know, or we need, you know, to engage in our hobbies more rather than saying something that was encouraging because those things were perceived as being always never happy. You know, these standards were, were never good enough. So the spouses, the, the wife would feel never good enough. The kids would feel like they've never done and engaged things at a high enough level with their schoolwork or sports or whatever. So them stepping back and letting go was this pos- these positive interactions very helpful as well. So let's, we got number one. First key we have there is to fix your standard setter. The second key is to choose to get messy. Just be willing to take the risk and jump in and your anxiety level is gonna probably shoot through the roof, which often happens when we're fixing things in our lives. It can have, it can cause short-term anxiety, yet it's creating long-term serenity. You know, that short-term, let's, do what we've always done. Let's get that fix. You know, let's do that 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 addictive kind of behavior. So we take that next drink or we go and we do that perfectionistic type thing is often going to decrease our anxiety short term but cause long term anxiety, a long term lack of peace. So if we lower our standards and we live in the middle, we're going to long term decrease our anxiety level. Third thing that you need to do or that I encourage you to do. I shouldn't say need. I'm really trying to get away from that. Anytime I say need, I want to replace it with want or desire, you know, because this need or you must, it has this flavor to me of being trapped in a corner without options. I got to do that thing. It's like somebody making a demand of me and saying, Adam, you need to do this versus someone giving me an option or making a request. Adam, would you like to do this? Or Adam, what is your opinion here, it's a request. So I gotta stop doing that with myself. So 
And that's really kind of a perfectionistic thing on its own. But the third thing is to figure yourself out. To figure yourself out. And I want to do, I've done a podcast on dealing with your emotions, which I'd encourage you to check out. It's, uh, I'm not sure which podcast it is, but this is one of the last 20 podcasts that I launched. But this one, figuring yourself out is really important because it's going to show you as you know yourself, it's going to show you why you have the perspective that leads to you being hypervigilant and anxious and perfectionistic. It's going to give you some clarity. So I stuffed this incident in this situation when I was six for years and years. I would have told you 20 years ago, as other people that were victims talked about, I would have said, you know, that's not a big deal. Big, big deal. You know, that didn't really have an impact on my life because you know, I had so much shame about the situation. And I am in a sacred space. When I get to sit down with clients in their 40s, 50s, 60s, sometimes 30s, and they get to share with me incidents in their lives that really impacted them, that were traumatic, that they have a lot of shame with, but they really need to figure out how that's impacted them today. Because there's two things that everyone has to actually get over. And the first one is themselves, is to figure out how can I stop thinking about myself so much so I can actually give my life away to the world? It's not to think less of yourself, but not to be consumed by yourself. It's selfishness, basically. People have to get over themselves, and to get over yourself, you have to know yourself and know your triggers and get over these things that have impacted you. And the second thing is people have to get over their past. They have to get over their past, but denial doesn't help you get over your past. Acting like it didn't happen doesn't get over your past, doesn't help you get over your past. Those things are just stuffing it down deeper and it's gonna impact you even more because it's just living in this, you're reacting to life based on these things that have happened and acting like it didn't actually have an impact. So if you figure yourself out, which again, I get to hear this kind of stuff. I mean, I had somebody in my family recently, which you know what happens when you're a therapist, you have people tell you stuff, but I always gotta remember this is sacred stuff. I mean, these are things they haven't told anybody, their spouses of 40, 50 years sometimes. But somebody was telling me, a person in my family, that she was in a situation when she was in middle school where some kids, she was new to the school, and some kids that saw her as a target basically invited her to an event, and then at that event, they harassed her basically. I mean, they used her as somebody to tease and to torment, and they ended up physically assaulting her and it was just a horrible experience for her. And this was new to middle school. I mean, imagine that. And that experience, she had denied its impact, but over talking about it, and when she actually even had identified this prior, um, and when she shared it with me, she had never actually shared it with anybody else, but told me that that is why when someone today that she doesn't know invites her somewhere, like invites her to lunch or invites her to their office or invites her to connect with friends, she she gets very skittish because psychologically she feels like something bad could happen because of that specific situation. And as she identified that, she could see that that led to a lot of these really high standards with people, this hypervigilant, hypercritical, which a lot of critical people, myself included, we may love the people we're criticizing very, very much, but we do it because we have this reaction that this is gonna somehow keep them safe and us safe. 
and the situation safe. So I know it sounds crazy. So figuring yourself out. And in, like I said, a future podcast, I really want to talk about knowing yourself in depth and what you can do to know yourself, and then also overcoming trauma. And I have a guest I want to bring on for that specific episode that does a lot of trauma work that I think could be very helpful. So, but that's kind of in the works. But what do you want to do? So, if you're going to know, if you're going to get to know why you react and why you think the way you think and why you you react to people the way that you do, well, one thing you can do, and is you can do a life timeline. You can again try to get in touch with your intuition, which is why I like people that I like when people do some meditation and prayer and where and when they journal um, and do things that get them out of their head because then they can get in touch with this this inner voice this intuition they can touch with and that can give them some clarity and then show them things that they haven't seen because people will tell me well why haven't I dealt with this stuff from my past and I'm 60 years old and the thing I like to think of is like man well you know you weren't ready you know it's maybe it's just God's timing, and but thank God you're doing it now. Thank God you're doing it now. And maybe if you would have dealt with it when you were 30, it just it would have led to some things that weren't a part of the plan. You know, maybe because you can look back and say, well, if I only would have dealt with this when I was 30 and saw how it impacted my decisions then. Well, obviously we can't change that, but it's all part of a bigger plan. And if you trust and you surrender, then you can look and say, man, something good is still going to come out of this, even though I'm dealing with it now at 60. And, and you're dealing with it. So you do a life timeline. And through that life timeline, you're going to see that there are incidents that you wish would never have happened. Good ones and bad, but it's mainly the bad that we're trying to get our handle, our hand on. And then you can even, if you do that timeline and there's some people and situations that were very impactful or groups or whatever, you can write a letter, which I give clients the structure to a letter on why something had impacted them and they get to write that letter and not send it. They can in some situations, sometimes it's appropriate to send it to people who have who have uh, traumatized you. And, and really a lot of these situations, we're talking about victims. In fact, trauma in itself, we're saying, okay, well, there's nothing you could have done to prevent that situation from occurring. So you're a victim. So somebody that has their, their house demolished by a tornado, when they're you know 15 and they lose a family member, well, they're a victim. I mean, it wasn't something they could have avoided. It just happened. And it's why it's difficult to understand. That's why we can even say, well, where was God in all this? Which, you know, it's, it's a tough thing to understand, but they were a victim. They were not somebody who intentionally, willingly engaged in that activity, which is really, really important. So, but to figure out yourself, you, know, you figure out why you react the way you do. Anytime you get disturbed, I'd encourage you to say like something really bothers you. It's a person, a place, a thing, something. You're just, you're noticing, man, this is really triggering me. And then you can say to yourself, well, what is going on inside of me? Even asking yourself that question, you know, what is it about me and what's happening inside of me that's causing this reaction and response? And you'll be surprised at times that you get some insight when you ask yourself that question. And it can be something very subtle. It can be something that's pretty blunt, like, wow, that reminded me of that person in my life. And, and Or it can be something that's not, it can be something that you're just not ready to actually learn about yet. But if you ask yourself that question, and then what you can do too is talk to a coach, talk to a counselor. 
talk to somebody so you can process through this information with the, somebody who's going to show you that you you don't need to carry this shame. You didn't do anything wrong. You're not to blame. And it's not they're going to have to tell you that because that's not necessarily helpful for me to say to somebody, you're not to blame. But as people talk about it, they can see that they were a victim. They can start answering their own questions and they start to know why they react the way that they do. I know, and I've shared this before, that when I was in fifth grade, I had just a really wicked person target me. And this was this was the principal of the school that I attended. And I'm not trying to elicit self-pity here, but this situation, I was targeted by as a vulnerable kid by the principal and the vice principal, and they 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 brought me to their office and they just screamed at me. I cried and cried and cried. And I found out later, years later, in fact, that I was the target for some issues they had with my parents and I was, you know, I was isolated. I never told anybody about it. And I have issues to this day with angry people, with people expressing strong emotion, because to me, it reminds me of those situations that I've experienced in the past. You have stuff like that too. Um, hopefully not as traumatic as things that other people have, have experienced, but these things can help us grow as we identify them. And even that now I look and say, well, hey, you know, obviously this was used in, was there was a meaning behind it. It's a way that I can grow in my life as well. So just in summary, you wanna overcome perfectionism, this wicked, nasty thief. And perfectionism, by the way, is connected to fear. If I don't do it perfectly, hey, it's gonna be uh, bad, you know, that kind of thing. That fear is a thief in your life. Fear is a thief in your life. It keeps you from living life. It keeps you from being yourself. The thing I want for all my clients is for them to actually be themselves and to live the life that they were given, to live it each day. Something I'm working on myself, I need help most days because I believe a lot of lies as well and I struggle as well. I am a fellow traveler. So if you found this podcast helpful, please subscribe on Apple Podcasts or Spotify or wherever you get podcasts. Leave a review if you have already left a review. Please tell a friend. Say, tell somebody, hey, check this out. This was helpful to me. I'd love for you to subscribe to my newsletter on my website. There is a link in the show notes as well so you can get these updates and articles as I release them. Had the best year ever, I think, with articles and everything. Get a lot of people checking these things out every day and it's pretty encouraging. Get to help more people. But in closing, you change and I'm all about change. You change by through three steps. Change takes, first of all, awareness. You're aware that some cycle, some way of relating, some challenge is occurring in your life. Then you're accepting it, which is the next step, which takes a lot and can be very challenging. Accepting the fact that you do this, accepting that this happened, accepting that this trauma impacted you. And then the third step is you take action. Action is where it's at. When you take action, you get different results. You start changing your perspective. Oh my gosh, this will work out. I can do this. I can help these people. I can have this kind of impact. What action are you gonna take based on this information from this podcast today? Write it down, jot it down, type it in your phone. You will change as you take action. Excited that you tuned in. Please tune in next time. You decide your legacy, nobody else. You decide your future, nobody else. It's your life. Go ahead and live it. And I hope you tune in next time. I'm Adam Gragg. Thank you very much. Bye-bye.
This show is part of the ICT Podcast Network. For more information, visit ictpod.net.